Welcome to TBN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's show, Matt and Lori Crouch host best-selling author, Bible teacher, and pastor Max Lucado. They discuss how you can trust in the miracles of God's power and His presence, even in your loneliest, toughest seasons. Max Lucado, you're going to be with us for an hour. You are prepared for that, right? One hour? <laughs> I'm, I, I could stay here for 10 years. <laughs> don't, don't shorten this. Oh, you mean just on the air. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I looked around. I thought, I'll, I'll just live here. <laughs> what we want to talk about is God's love. Yeah. God's love is for every season of every person's life. God's love is an amazing thing, and it proves that you are never alone. Mm-hmm. Okay the title of your latest book. How do you want to start this? Because we're going to unpack it super deep mm. and we're going to talk mm. about in the beauty of God's creation, mm. God's love for his mm. people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to start just by saying thank you uh, to the both of you. Um, I don't, you know, I hope you know how much I love you and respect you and Deanlin and I greatly, greatly admire the work you do and, and are so grateful, so grateful, so grateful for the work of TBN, you <laughs> yes, know, amen. Uh, we go way back with TBN and I'm just honored uh, that you continue to, to share the gospel all over the world. That's what stuns me. Isn't uh, it amazing? I, I can remember your father telling me there was not a patch. What was the phrase he would use if there's a... Wherever there's electricity. There's, there's the gospel. Yeah. He told me that the first time I met him and I, that's... 30 years ago, I guess, and that's even more so today yeah. Yeah. as you've multiplied that work. And, praise God. Uh, praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> yeah, you, I, you know, okay, why don't we come at it from this angle? Okay. I think the greatest news is not that God made the world, but that God loves the world. That's just huge, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, look what he made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And look what he made. But to think that he loves us and that he cares about us that we were made to live in communion with our Heavenly Father. We were made to live in communion with heaven. And this time on earth is so very, very brief. It's just such a fraction. It's, it's one leaf out of one of those trees, out of all of these mountain ranges. I mean, this, that's how short this life is. And uh, He's loving us through this time. And our eternal kingdom is going to be something so beautiful that this is going to look a bit, you know, Sorry, but uh, minor league <laughs> compared to, to what awaits us. And so that's how much he loves us. Now, I think just that nugget, that worldview, that understanding of God is everything. It's everything. Because if I believe that the God who made this cares about me, then look what happens. I'm going to care about me. I mean, I'm going to think, okay, I'm here for a purpose. Many people don't know why they're here. But if I can believe that a God loves me and he cares about me, then I can truly believe I'm not by myself. That, that's, that's the theme of this. You are never alone. That there's a living, loving God who knows us and who cares about us and who is committed to getting us home safely. Mm, yeah. I love that. You said um, trust in the miracle of God's presence and power. You know, I think there's a lot of people. I, we've got some friends that are really going through some hard stuff right now. And he's a minister, has been for decades, and just pain, just 
complete pain, going through hard, hard stuff with their kids and all kinds of stuff. And he said something like, it just seems like the heavens are brass right now. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we do go through seasons like that, that we're not hearing. It seems like everything's going wrong. What, I, I, I think everybody's gone through oh, stuff damn. like that. What, what have you done through times like that when it's just like the heavens are brass and that God's nowhere to be found? Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything begins and ends, at least from my perspective, with the character of God. Uh, if God is small, and if he's hard-hearted, uh, then I don't have any hope. Yeah. But if God is immense, uh, if he always has been, if he has never not been, if, if before all of this was, he already had always been, we don't have a concept for it. But if I can open myself up to that, and then, and then character number two, if I can believe he's merciful, that he's kind, that he knows what's right, he knows what's right, um, that doesn't make pain easy, but it can make pain bearable and it can give our pain a purpose because if I believe that there is a God who can and I believe there's a God who will if it is right, uh, all of us have stories of, of when we've wrestled with this. For me, my first story like this was the death of my father. He had just retired. He had dreams of touring the country in an RV. He was an oil field mechanic, just the happiest guy you'd ever want to know, a uh, real robust, healthy guy. And, and he was diagnosed with ALS. I was in Brazil at the time. I was a missionary. I'd never heard of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And as you know, it's a, it's a crippling uh, degeneration of, 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 of the muscles and nerve endings. And, and with well, by the time I went to Brazil, and the first time I came back to visit him after six months, he was a shell of a man. Mm. Wow. And I can remember, I grew up in West Texas, and I can remember go out, going out in the, in the oil field in the middle of the night and standing by a tank battery and just yelling at God, just yelling at him. And, and I guess part of me was thinking, look, Lord, I gave up my, yeah, mm. here, I'm a missionary. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm a missionary, right? right? You've got to heal my father. You've got to heal my father. And God did not heal my father. He did not heal my father on this planet. See, I think that's it right there. He healed him in his presence. My father who hears this conversation, your folks who hear this conversation right now saying, oh, we're healed. We're healed. Oh, my goodness. Don't think for a second that God didn't answer every prayer. Yeah. So I, I, I know what you're talking about. We've all been there. But I think everything begins with character of God. And that's why Jesus on earth is so important because he's the only picture of God we have. You know, we can all speculate and think if there is a God, he would do this. Now we know. Yeah. Now we're, the word became flesh. And so now we know how God acts and we know his heart. I love this chapter, the voice that empties graves. What are you, what are you saying in that chapter? Okay. Okay. So the book follows the, the miracles of Jesus that are recorded in the gospel of John. And I've chose the Gospel of John because he said I could have, if, if I had written everything that I saw, no library is large enough to hold all the things that I saw. And I'm not, I'm not sure that's hyperbole. You imagine all the things, all the people 
Jesus healed, all the people he fed, all the stories that John the Apostle would have heard by this time in his life. He's probably up in his 90s now when he's writing this, probably living in Ephesus. And, and he, before he dies, he takes on this one final project. It turns out to be another project, the book of Revelation. But he thinks his, his life is coming to an end until he, he wants to capture all these messages. And he, and he selects these miracles. And I think each miracle has a message. And one of the miracles is perfect to respond to the question that we were just discussing about. And that is, where is Jesus when I offer a prayer and he doesn't show up? Because Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that their their brother and Jesus' good friend Lazarus was about to die. And no Jesus, no Jesus, no Jesus, no Jesus. I would imagine Lazarus was getting weaker and weaker and asking, where is Jesus? When's he going to show up? No Jesus. Finally, he died. And then they they bury Lazarus and still no Jesus. And finally, Jesus shows up and uh that whole chapter, John chapter 11, is devoted to these encounters that Jesus has with Mary and Martha. One of the great moments is right there in the cemetery. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And then the next dramatic moment, you as a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece would really work with this one when he tells Martha to move the stone and boy if I'm if I'm behind the camera I'm gonna put it right on her face right there and I'm gonna see all the hesitation all the reservation because people are gathered her brother's been in the tomb and she she says he's been there four days I mean it gets real practical it's not gonna be pleasant what do you mean roll the stone away but she does it she does it which I think is a picture of the miracles in the Gospel of John. Jesus does 99% of the work, but he always wants a little step of faith, mm. just a little little response, you know, just a little participation. And Martha says, roll the stone away, and here comes Lazarus. What a moment that, right? that must have been, you know, <laughs> when Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come out. And in my imagination, which is probably wacko, I'm seeing Lazarus up in heaven sitting at a bistro <laughs> with Moses, sipping coffee, hearing stories about crossing the Red Sea, when all of a sudden through heaven there's this, Lazarus, come out, come out, come out, come out. And Lazarus looks at Moses, and Moses looks at Lazarus, and Moses says, Lazarus, you got to go. Oh, man. You got to go. <laughs> and he... I'm thinking he probably didn't want to. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> probably didn't want to. I remember years ago, a preacher said, Jesus only raised three people from the dead, not because he couldn't, but because he couldn't get more volunteers. <laughs> um, and so here comes Lazarus. You know, he, he, he reenters the tomb and reenters the, the mummified position, and he comes walking out. And there's a miracle. I mean, all of a sudden, everybody there, everybody there knew this Jesus could do things no one had ever seen before. Uh, I'll, one final thought on this one. I've wondered, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter stood up and preached uh, 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, 10 days after the ascension of Christ, 3,000 people were baptized that day, 3,000 people. And he said, uh, this one whom God has attested to you, Jesus of Nazareth, by many signs and miracles. That's part of Peter's sermon. 
I wonder if he paused right there just to see if anybody would say, oh, we didn't see any miracles. I wouldn't be surprised if Peter, the fisherman turned pre preacher, didn't just pause because he knew nobody, nobody could defy it. I mean, I bet many of those 3,000 people were there standing on legs that had been healed, eyes that had been seen, they'd surely heard sermons. And that's why that sermon was so powerful because Jesus had been preaching it for three years. You know? And of course the Holy Spirit came and the power of people hearing the language of the gospel in their own language. Mm. Well, anyway, so that. you can tell I, that miracle is one of my favorites. <laughs> you know, I have read a version of that story that brought out an interesting little moment when Jesus and Martha were there and he says, I am the resurrection into life do you believe? And she, I've, I've heard it described that she would say, well, of course, yeah. when we're all in heaven, you know, that brings up a, a really tough question, which is my favorite thing to uh, pitch to you. <laughs> when do you accept the sovereignty of God with something that you're asking for, but you don't seem to be getting mm -hmm. and, you know, settling for, yeah, of course, Lord, my brother will be raised at the day of your coming. Mm -hmm. He meant right here, right now. He meant that. And there's sometimes mm -hmm. uh, this. Not my will, but thine. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a real interesting dilemma there. It I is, think. yeah. So to finish that story, um, with my dad, I was still mad at God at the funeral. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, a gentleman came up to me at my father's funeral and uh, I didn't know the child, didn't know him. Uh, but I later learned that he would make weekly visits to my dad. They'd been co-workers. And um, my, uh, the gentleman told me that day in the church, he said, uh, watching your father suffer with dignity led me to Christ. Oh my goodness. My goodness. Now, you would have loved my dad. You would have loved him, but he never preached a sermon. Well, he did once, and he hated it. <laughs> he, was a, he was a happy guy, but he wasn't outgoing in, in, in the sense of discussing matters of faith, but he'd do anything for you. But something about watching my father suffer with dignity was a sermon enough to lead that man. My goodness. Now, now this is out of my pay grade. I don't know why God did not heal my dad. Of course, as my father is saying, Max, he healed me, but I don't know why he didn't heal, heal him here on earth. Like Lazarus. Like Lazarus, like Lazarus. I do know that the heavenly father wants to win souls. I know he wants to populate heaven. Wow. I know his goal is not my comfort, but it's to populate an eternal kingdom because he's going to reign forever uh, with on a renewed earth, restored earth with us, and we're going to be there with him. And he wants as many people as possible to be there. Could it be that he said, Jack Locato, I need two years of suffering from you to win that man's soul because I've been trying everything else. I don't know. Please, I'm being very careful here because I don't know. And I sh the last thing I want to say to somebody who is listening right now, sitting in a wheelchair, or going through uh, cancer treatment, uh, the last thing I want somebody to say is, you're telling me that I've got to be a sermon to somebody? I don't know. I've learned long ago as a pastor, I, I, I don't have all the answers to suffering. I do believe that God is great, and I do believe He is kind. 
So I believe he loved that man. And I believe my father, knowing my dad, that he would say, I would do that to save that man's soul, you know. To, for that man to have this for eternity, okay, okay. So uh, sometimes uh, God heals on this planet. He will heal everything in his presence. So the purpose of the Lazarus miracle was not so that Lazarus could live forever because Lazarus eventually died, I think. <laughs> I mean, I've, you and I have been to that Israel. Be There's nobody over there named Lazarus who's 2,000 years old. It'd be a tourist attraction it would. if it would, man. It would. <laughs> I bet we would have met him, that. right? <laughs> somebody would have arranged a TBN interview with that guy. Surely. <laughs> so all Jesus did was... <laughs> All Jesus did was, I'm trying to be serious. Yeah. Tell me about Genghis Khan, Lazarus. What was he like? You know? He's derailed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love doing this for you. Seriously. Am I as red as yeah. I feel? No, you're good. But all Jesus did was extend his life, right? Yeah. He, he just extended his life. Uh, the ultimate answer to all our prayers is going to come in heaven. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to say, I think Jesus can do anything he wants to, anything he wants to. There is nothing. He, he, can, he can vacate a, a cemetery today. I believe that. Praise to his name. He is that mighty and he is that strong. Uh, I believe his priority is winning souls. I believe that's, the, the, the healing of the body is wonderful. The healing of the soul is everything, yeah. you know, and so that's it. We've been talking about chapter eight of your book, the voice that empties graves. And you took kind of John's gospel and you let it wrap and prove a point from beginning to end that these miracles that God did was ultimately to let us know today, modern times, that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. And that's proof of it. That's kind of what we're talking where do you want to go from here? What What do you want? What, do you want me to pick another chapter well, or where you want to head well, from here? Well, okay, so y you look at the miracles in the story of the Gospel of John, um, and, and there's there's no greater miracle than the resurrection of Jesus himself, you're right? I mean, that's, and the, and the reason that we find the story of, of John's remembrance or recollection of that miracle so important is because when he ran into the tomb, into the empty tomb, there's this beautiful little nugget. He's speaking about himself in third person. And he says, and he saw and believed. And, and so you can picture John, that aged apostle, you know, silver beard, silver hair, sitting there just writing, scribe, you know, he's worked his way all the way through, from the word became flesh, all the way through the miracles, all the way through the death, all the way through the burial, and now the resurrection. And he's remembering this moment He's remembering uh, when he was told that, the, that somebody had rolled the stone away. And so he and Peter ran up there and he was faster, but Peter was bolder. Peter went in and looked around and came out bewildered. But John went in and he saw the empty slab. He saw the empty slab and he saw the, the burial clothing uh, rolled up and set to the side. And he saw the head covering rolled up and set to the side. And the language here is really specific. This was... This was a great aha moment for me as I was studying this because I'd never seen this. Probably everybody else in the world had seen this, but somehow I'd missed it. But the language here, the Greek language is that it was rolled up in its original folds, in its original state. 
John R. W. Stott, when he wrote a reflection on this passage, said it was as if Jesus vaporized out of the, wow. I call it a cocoon, yeah. you know? So, and so, and then, and then he took on his physical state, but I, he, he lifted up. And so what John saw was this, I, I don't know, kind of a heart, because when they wrapped the, the body, you know, they did it with linens and then hundred pounds of aloes and myrrh. I mean, fragrance was still in, it, there's no doubt there was still fragrance still in the tomb. And, and, the, and, and all, those, all those wrappings would have hardened. They would have hardened, mm. kind of like paper mache. Is mm. that a word right. picture that works? Yeah. You know, they would have hardened and it was there. It was there, the mummy was there, but there was no person in it. So what did John see that caused him to later say, now that's the moment I believed. Because he had seen Lazarus. Yeah. He had seen the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children. He had seen Jesus walk on water in the middle of the storm. He had seen all of these things. But he said, that's the one. Because that's when he knew that Jesus was Lord, not just over sin, but over death, over death. And he wrote that little phrase and he saw and he believed. Wow. And, and, you know, for many of us, for me, that was the convincing moment when I was about 21 years of age, uh, when I was trying to decide if I wanted to believe or not. And in a, in a, in a very important conversation, a, a friend said, well, let's think about the empty tomb. And he kind of walked me through the whole story of the resurrection. And for me, I think that's when I can say, okay, I started believing, started believing. Yeah. Let's be specific in regard to this book written for people that maybe are in a sense or have a sense that loneliness can be solved by something other than God. Yeah. You know, how does somebody start recovering from loneliness? Mm. I would start by opening your mind to the possibility of a supernatural presence of God with you. Uh, would you would you open your mind just to the possibility that the one who made this knows your name and is closer to you than your next breath? Just open your mind to the possibility of that. The challenge of the society in which we've been raised uh, in, in Western civilization is that it is so secularized that we've We've kind of sucked the supernatural out of it, you know? If you can't explain it, if you can't touch it, if you can't describe it, if you can't prescribe it, can't fix it, can't tweak it, then it's not real. Wow. You know, that's that's the world in which we live in. We were not intended to live in that world, you know? We were intended to live in a world in which there are supernatural realities. There are angels all around us right now. Hmm. There are. Well, well, think about uh, Adam and Eve. They walked with God. They walked with God. Evening. That's how we were supposed to yeah. live. And that's how we Could will. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Just walked with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. Not lonely. Nope. Not embarrassed. Yeah. Wow. They just knew the presence of God. Mm. How do you know? How do you, how do you get to know yeah. the presence of God? There are occasions in our life when we can truly sense the presence of God. There are occasions in our life in which we believe in the presence of God because He has promised to be with us. You know my lovely wife, Deanalyn. Yes. 
we are a few months away from our 40th anniversary. We've been married a long time. That's a long time. Uh, it's, it's, you know what, to be married to me and, and Moses in the wilderness, 40 years, that's about the same. Yeah. About the same. Yeah. Now, some, some days and many days, I really feel married. I just feel her presence. I feel the romance. Even all these years later, she probably doesn't, but I do. But even with someone as beautiful as my wife, there are days that I, I, I don't feel married. I mean, I don't you know, have my heart moving at a fast rate. My, I don't get speechless when I see her, you know, yeah. some days we're just living life together, yeah. right? Now, are we more married on the days I feel her presence? No, no. We're just as married on the days the feeling is there as on the days it's not. I love the feeling. Mm -hmm. I love romantic evenings. I love uh, uh, everything that, that comes with being married to a wonderful woman. But the reason that feelings do not dictate the reality of her presence in my life is because a covenant has been made. A covenant has been made. And she said, I do. I said, I do. And from that moment on, from that moment on, uh, we've been a married couple. Now, take that and multiply that by several billion. Mm -hmm. Because when God makes a covenant, he's never going to break it. Right. So on those, in those moments in which we say, you know, I just don't feel God. I don't feel God. My response is some days I don't either. You know, that's okay. It doesn't make you a, a pagan or it doesn't make you any less spiritual or, or any less loved. Uh, on those days, you just stand on the covenant. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. With you always to the end of the age. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And so what, what we begin to do is we begin to live in communion with God. You know, we, we begin to live in communion with God. Uh, the big word for that in the Bible is sanctification. He, he changes us uh, from people of, the, of, of selfishness to be people of, who are saintly, sanctified, but we're becoming more and more holy. And, and we learn to hear from Him. We learn to sense Him. It's kind of like learning uh, to be married. You know, your first day after the wedding, uh, you had to start learning new habits. Mm -hmm. You're not used to having somebody around. You're not used to, you know, having to, you know, clean up, or I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it's all that. Yeah. So for that person who says, I just don't feel the presence of God, I say, okay, that's fine. Take your feelings outside and give them a kick in the rear yeah. because they, they are not to be trusted. Right. What's to be trusted is the promise of God. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. There's a chapter in You Are Never Alone, Max, where the chapter is entitled, I Am In The Storm With You. Are you prepared to break that down? <laughs> can you go there? I can. I okay. can. Um, because I opened this chapter by sharing a story that's the stormiest season of my life. And uh, the the presence of Christ in it is what uh, has served as uh, gasoline on the fire of my faith for, for many, many years. I was 12 years old. Uh, I grew up in West Texas, as I mentioned. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, playing football and baseball and, and uh, uh, all the things that kids do. Uh, I was prepared for cologne and, and have a crush on a girl, but I was never prepared for what happened 
and that is sexual molestation that came my way as a result of a, an adult male. He was, um, he presented himself to our family as a mentor, as a mentor, and not just my family, but the family, uh, families of about four or five people in our small community. And he didn't have any sons, and he he just kind of came across as, well, you know, I'll, I'll I want to hang out with the guys, and I'll teach them how to catch a baseball, and you know, with grill burgers. And 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 to be honest, I remember him as a as as, as a charming guy, charming guy, and. Um, uh, what what we didn't know is that he was a predator and he had a high out for for young boys. It it all came out when he took us on a camping trip. Uh, keep in mind, I'm an old man. I'm 65 years old at that time. Was you know in the mid 1960s. No cell phones is the point I'm trying to make. We we got out there. We had no way of getting back. He took us way out in the country. And he began unpacking the suitcase, the the, the the sleeping bags and the tents, but he also unpacked a box of, of whiskey. And he began to sleep his way uh, through the sleeping bags and drink his way through the bottle uh, for Friday night, all day Saturday, and most of the day Sunday. And it was, it was things I don't need to go into detail on, but it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare for all of us, all of us. So by the time we uh, went back uh, to our little town, he dropped us off at each of our houses. He did so with the words, now don't tell anybody. They won't believe you. If they believe you, they'll blame you. It, kids can't process this. Right. You know, so I didn't. I didn't. It was Sunday afternoon. I went in. I just felt like filth. Just felt like filth. Didn't tell my parents what happened. I never did. They went to their graves. I never told them the story. Uh, but they uh, mentioned that that morning at our church, there had been a communion service. And boy, did I have a longing for a communion service. And so this is what I did. After they went to bed, after I'd taken a bath and put on my PJs, I went into our little kitchen of our little house and I decided I'm going to have a communion service. So here I am, a little 12-year-old boy, uh, freshly bathed, freckles, and I'm digging through the refrigerator looking for some grape juice and bread. Well... I still can't find stuff in the refrigerator. I couldn't find any then. But I found some milk and potatoes. Potatoes from Sunday lunch. And, and if you can envision, I put the milk in a glass, I put the potatoes on a, on a saucer, and I took them over and I sat there and I celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I thanked him for saving my soul. Now, here's the reason I tell that story. Jesus met me in that moment. He met me. He met me in that moment. Don't press me and don't say, how do you know he was there? I just know he was there. I just know he was there. I felt his arm around me, felt his presence. And here's what happened. He healed me. He healed me. Oh my God. I didn't grow up with a fear of a authority or I didn't cower away from other grown men. He just healed me. Somehow I knew. Somehow I was new. He met me in that storm. Now, there are people who are listening right now who have been through those kind of moments. You have. You have. And maybe you're hearing my version of that story and you're saying, now, Max, why did you sense Jesus then? My answer is, I don't know. I don't know, but that's what I needed in order to be healed. There have been other times I've been through storms and the feeling wasn't that profound. But the message is, Jesus enters those storms with us. Here's what I can tell you for sure. You're not alone in your storm. That was the message of the most famous miracle in the Gospel of John, 
I guess it's the most famous. Anybody who's heard about miracles has heard about Jesus walking on the water. Has it ever occurred to you that, that Jesus didn't have to walk on the water to still that storm? He wanted to be seen in the middle of the storm before he spoke to the wind and the waves. He wanted the disciples to know, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. And when they saw Jesus and they saw him walking on the water, all he said was, I'm here. <laughs> Don't be afraid. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And really, the, in, in Greek, all he says is, I am. He just gives his name. I am. Don't be afraid. So my dear friend, what, what I would like to say to you, if you feel like you're in the middle of the storm, I don't always know why, but I'll tell you, I know who. I know who's there with you. I know who's there with you. You just talk to him. You lean into him. You tell him you're afraid. You break bread. You have your own little communion service. You get down on your knees, you open your Bible. Just a, just a tiny step of faith, just a tiny step of faith. Don't let your heart get hard right now, please. Just don't let it get hard. Just turn to him, turn to him. You be Peter. <laughs> you know, Peter said, if that's you, Lord, I wanna, I wanna be where you are. And I've always loved that about Peter and that story. You know, I think he was basically saying, I know this boat is going down and he's up and I want to be where he is. And so he, he took a step of faith. And, and sometimes that's what we have to do. We've got to take just a step of faith. You know, call a friend, call a pastor, call TBN, you know, uh, text somebody. But come back off the ledge, my friend. Come back off the ledge. Don't give in to despair. Just, just, just. Take a step of faith. He'll meet you in the middle of this storm. You're really, I know you feel like you're alone, but you're not. So what's, what's happened is you've, you've been conditioned to be a secular thinker. All of us have been, so we got to fight against that. There are supernatural presence around you. Angels, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, and Jesus Christ, your advocate. If you'll meet that little boy in the middle of a West Texas kitchen, he'll meet you wherever you are. He will, he will. That's the promise of that message. Well, you've wrecked Lori, so. I'm sorry. I've not shared this story until a year ago. And what I've learned is since I have shared this story, how hard this topic is, how hard this topic is. And so I'm, I'd like to speak words of healing over people who have endured that type of abuse. And what I went through on a weekend with a non-family member, is nothing compared to what some of you went through day after day after day with a trusted relative. Okay, I realize that. And you shared your stories with me. You've told me what it's like. And you shared with me how even now intimacy triggers memories that are the deepest, darkest part of your life. Counseling can help. Pastoral therapy can help, but please hear this. Jesus can heal. He can heal those memories. He can heal those hurts. The biggest thing for you to do is to believe that healing is possible. And, and so I'm asking right now in my spirit, Lord Jesus, go to this person. Go right now, wherever they are, and visit that painful memory with them and just heal that moment. 
heal that memory, heal that, and, and tell them the truth. They can be better. They can, tomorrow does not have to be today. Next week is not like today. There's a new version of that person you're making, Lord. So turn to that, turn to that Savior, my friend, turn to Him. He really wants you to have a healthier, happier tomorrow. And I believe that that's the reason you may have stumbled across this conversation. Max Licato has written something that I don't care what season of life you're in, but we all go in and out of very unique distanced, you know, uh, I think the, the Jewish word midbar was one of these <laughs> kind of moments where a wilderness experience and often we feel like we're alone. Yeah. We're not alone. No. In the midst of abuse, we're not alone. We're, you know, in the time that the storm is going, it's hard to mm -hmm. process correctly. Mm -hmm. How do you get someone to, in a storm right now, whatever their storm is, and there's countless storms that are represented in the viewing audience, what's step one? How do we, how do we get them headed towards yeah. the real healing that God is the only answer mm -hmm. to, to this situation that you're in, this feeling of loneliness? What's step one? Let's, let's yeah. as the sun is touching the horizon, Let's maybe start putting a wrap on this and, yeah, yeah. and, and loving on the people. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I may have alluded to this before, but it, it's really opening your mind to the possibility of a living and loving God. You know, it's this hard-heartedness that gets us in trouble. It's shutting God out of the story, you know. There's a, another miracle in the Gospel of John when Jesus healed a man who had been sick for nearly 40 years in near the pool of Bethesda. And he was a beggar. And the first thing Jesus said to him was, now, do you want to be healed? Hmm. It's really one of the great questions. You know, I've been in pastoral work since 1979. I've visited sick people in all situations. I've never asked a sick person, do you want to be healed? <laughs> right. I just assume that. Yeah. But I think what Jesus was saying is, are you open to a new version of you? Yeah. You know, yeah. are you open to that? And so if, if you feel like you're kind of stuck, if you feel like you're in a rut, you got to be careful. We can get addicted to these ruts, you know? We can, get, we can get feeling like, well, my life is miserable and I think I'll just stick with misery. <laughs> Don't you do that. Don't you do that. So open yourself up to the idea that God wants a better version of you. And then just open your mouth and pray. Talk to God. If you've never said yes to Him, say yes to Him. For heaven's sake, say yes to Him. Say yes to Him as your Savior. He forgives all of your sins. He died on the cross. He died on the cross. So you can enter into the kingdom of God with no sin, with no sin. Say yes to Him. And then just say, yes, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to let you love me. I'm going to let you help me. I'm going to let you have me. And, 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 and step out in faith in this, in this relationship. Uh, sometimes it's dramatic and that conversion just Boy, from one moment to the next, somebody is able to walk away from alcohol or, or walk away from a tough situation. Sometimes it takes a little time. It takes a little time. Every story is different, but the promise is not. The promise is the same for all of us. I think ultimately, Max, the, the invitation that Jesus is trying to get to all of us is, first of all, be with me. Mm -hmm. 
Second of all, let me heal you. You know, I mean, if, if we if we look at what you've done, this study of John, Jesus went around doing good. That's he right. was constantly, and then he gave his life so that we could be with him. So we're talking about some of the most important things you could possibly be talking about. And, you know, at some point, the the thought, you know, hit my mind. Why would anybody not receive mm. that beautiful invitation? And I think because some people get stuck by saying, if God was everything you guys are talking about, I wouldn't have gone through the storm. Mm. There wouldn't have been this event in my life. I wouldn't have had to have done this because certainly a loving God isn't going to, it. you know, you know. So again, I hate to to drop one of the life's hardest questions on you, but in in kind of closing, you know, at some point somebody's maybe stuck with, you know what, Max, you're a great guy. You're a real sweet guy. And and yeah, you know, this fire pit's beautiful and you guys are doing a good job and, and all of this. But you know what? If if God was everything you said he was, I would have never had to go through that because God just wouldn't put, you know, cancer on a child. He just wouldn't do it. How do we say, let Jesus heal that? And how do you get somebody past? I, I think we have to start. We have to start again with the idea that there is a living, a loving God. And then this other thing that we've hit on, and that is there's just a supernatural world. There's a battle going on. It's a battle and there's a devil and he can't take our souls, but he can take our joy. And this world is a fallen state of how it was originally intended. You know, you alluded, we were supposed to be walking with God out here in the yeah. cool of the evening and we will, and we will, but because of free will, because of free will, uh, because we have chosen each of us, Adam and Eve did it first, but we've all done it since. We've, we've chosen to turn away from God. The, the door is open there for the consequences of sin. And the consequences of sin include physical and emotional and relational chaos. That's it, that's just, that's the word, and the death, yeah. That's not gonna be for long though, I keep saying that. I mean, that's a, that's a whiff of wind compared to our eternal existence. And so to you who's, you're wrestling with this, it's heavy on your heart. I, just two thoughts. Again, open your mind up to the idea that this, you're going to get through this and that, and that there are some bad things that have happened, but God can redeem those. God can redeem those. He can even redeem the story of a predator and turn it into something that 30 and 40, 50 years later is used to encourage other people. Would you let him do that with your pain? Would you be open to that possibility? And then also, maybe you're kind of like me. I don't like plan B. I really don't. Plan B stinks. Living with the idea there is no God and this is all just a, you know, a, I don't know. You're by coincidence and there's nothing more after this life. I don't like that. I'd much rather embrace the promise of our living and loving God that he's going to redeem this world and it's going to be something that we cannot yet imagine. Is part of the answer that the person that can't accept that is looking for somebody to blame. Somebody has to, and, and if you don't believe that man fell away from the perfection of what God had planned, then you have nothing to blame. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so 
everything ultimately has to point to God and That's and the true. fact that there is a creator that he planned yeah. to have everyone walk with him in the cool of the day. Amen. We were the ones that fell away. Yeah. It's our fault. Right. If you need somebody to blame, blame yourself. Yeah. You know, because bad things happen when people don't follow the prospects of what Jesus ultimately prepared at the cross. The cross finished this situation, but we human beings believe lies, act upon lives, and bad things happen. A lot of the bad things that have come to me have happened because I did stupid things. Some of them happened because there's bad people in the world. But Jesus, in spite of that, comes into our world yes, and he yes. says, I can take all this bad and I can turn it into something. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know that you know that little moment when you feel prompted to say, say that again? Yeah. Okay. Say that again. You remember the old book? Kind of do oh. that again. <laughs> well, the old book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? There are no good people. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. That's it. Yeah. And we've received it. We yeah. have God's grace. Yeah. You are never alone. Get this book because we all go through these seasons of wilderness experience. And guess what? You're not alone. And uh, this book will help you. Max, thank you for being with us. Love thank you, you a thousand times. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.